Mindset, mindset, and mindset. That's exactly what me and today's guest talk about is mindset and how to make friends with fear. She, we are both in total alignment with that one about that fear is a friend and not something to be scared of. There's information there. And you are going to love today's guest who is a former defense attorney turned mindset coach and business strategist. Hope you enjoy. You're listening to Be In Demand the podcast for honest advice, inspiring stories, and ideas for growing your business by leveraging the expert that you are. I'm your host, Loria Mirabito, business mentor, and I'm also a reformed painfully shy girl, red wine lover, and exercise enthusiast. Join me as I share how being positioned as the expert in your industry, even if it's a busy one, will help you stand out and be the one in demand to hire and work with. Well, hello, everybody, and I have such a treat for you today. Um, this is a woman who I've had a new, couple of conversations with, and they've just we've just connected, and they've been really pretty mind-blowing. So I said, you have to come on my podcast. And so you are going to be meeting Linda Perry. She is a recovering attorney, and I know that we'll talk more about that, a master mindset coach and a business strategist who believes that the key to a crazy successful business is putting mindset first. Linda works with growth stage entrepreneurs and helps them turn down the noise of their head trash and tune into the signals of their business and find greater success. Instead of believing that mindset is a luxury or something that you'll deal with when you're finally successful, Linda shows her clients how to use mindset to create greater advantage and be more intentional about their business. She has literally helped hundreds of clients give up their most limiting beliefs and adopt an empowering mindset through her Mindset First framework. She does this in groups and also private one-on-one coaching programs. And she has a wonderful podcast called Mindset First Podcast, a must listen to. Linda, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here to connect with you again, to connect with your audience. So thank you for having me. Thank you. So um, a question just to kind of like get us started that you're probably not expecting, but Mm. what is something that you are super proud of? Oh, wow. That's a great question. There's a lot of things I'm super proud of. I think in the business world, I am super proud of the fact that I didn't stay with something that just because I had invested time, money, energy, years into it. And then I really chose to go on a journey of finding what was really my own purpose. And, you know, I had this conversation with my son last night, who's 18 and he, and I said, there's not necessarily one purpose in life. So I don't want you to get stuck there ever. But the thing I'm really proud of is, is making that decision to go after something bigger, to leave something that wasn't working, to really honor myself in that way. And, you know, I, of course, as a mom, I'm always proud of what I've done, you know, with my children, but also to set that example for them, because I was 40 when I reinvented myself. And the truth is, is I want them to know that there is no time frame on when you find your purpose. There is no set course that you have to follow. And for me, that's really what I'm proudest of. 
Mm, I love great that. question. I love that. And I want to talk to you, talk more about um, the recovering attorney stuff also and how you kind of found yourself. What habit, and I think I know the answer to this question, what habit could you not live without? Oh, wow. That's so funny. I'm trying to think which one. Um, what habit? I think, you know, I think of my morning habit is probably it. It's really like I get up, I read. It, it's literally like a series of habits I call mind body business where I sit in the morning and I read for at least 30 minutes. I write and I work out and it really gets me ready because it's also this really big self-worth piece for me. Like this morning before I got on the podcast interview, I literally did all those things. I read, I wrote, I worked out, had all my vitamins. I felt like that feeling of, yes, I'm doing good for myself and I matter. And that's huge. Sounds like some great self-care. Yeah. Before you start caring for your business or for others. It's huge. It's something that I talk about all the time that I think it's such a difference because I can remember the mornings that I used to start and dive in and just work, check my emails, go into responding to people, helping and using that time even to write, but you know, for clients or for people. And it just drained me and I couldn't produce what I wanted to. So it's, it's definitely a habit that is non-negotiable. Yeah. I love that. It's non-negotiable. And there's some crazy stat. I can't remember the percentage off the top of my head, but it's pretty up there about the people that the first thing they do in the morning is check their email. They pick up their phone. And I always look at like, if I look at my email, I'm like, all of a sudden I'm putting out fires for somebody else instead of taking care of myself. Was that something that you've always done? Or um, is that something like in the reinventing yourself in the past 10, 10 or so years that you would say like, that's, yeah, that was part of my self-care, my practice. Yeah. I got to say that it was really part of that reinvention. It was really part of learning how to put myself first. I come from a family where, you know, my parents were doctors. So everybody always else came first. My mother got phone calls in the middle of the night and had to take care of people. And for me, I learned hard work was the way of life. And I learned that you have to be there for everybody at all times a day, especially, you know, as a lawyer, I was a criminal defense attorney and you have to respond to people because almost like in a physician's seat, you, it is life or death, but I took it to the next level, right? So that even things that weren't life or death, I was responding to first thing. And it was really like, it, it drained so much of me. I was angry all the time and I couldn't figure out why I was exhausted. I was short with my children. I, I just didn't have that as my priority. And I thought, to be honest, that if I did that, that it was completely selfish. If I did that, if I took time for me, then it would be selfish. And I had to really reprogram my thinking around this. And I still, I will tell you, I still struggle. Somebody asked me the other day, um, can't you fit in a morning meeting with me? And And I, it was, they're two hours ahead and their morning would have been my 7am when I take care of myself. And I said, no. And I could feel how hard it still was to say no to somebody. But the truth is, is that I would only show up resentful. I would not show up being able to be my best self. And 
I said no. And I kept my boundary. And so it's something I've really had to learn. And I, I always encourage people, it's okay to take this. And it didn't, you know, it was little by little. It was like, first I'm going to read, then I'm going to add some writing. And then, mm-hmm. okay, I can still work out even if I've done all of that. So take some time. It, it, yeah. You didn't just wake up one morning and say, Here are the, here's, here's my morning routine that I'm just going to completely enjoy. Instead, it was like, you know, like those, you're, you're stacking things. Like, let me just add this and then add a little more. And I right. love the healthy boundaries and um, how you were kind of tested, if you will, with this request. And you were like, you held through like, nope, I'm just, the office isn't open. Yeah. You know, it's, just it's about me. So kind of like, I just want to like go back to like the recovering attorney part and during um, becoming an attorney, I mean, at what point, because you mentioned earlier about like you had invested so much time and so much money, you know, becoming a lawyer is not a, you know, like you don't do it in a year, um, you know, like you're right, there's so much time. Is that when you either, is that when you learned about mindset or that this just isn't fulfilling me? Um, it's funny because how I came to mindset it had nothing to do with the law. However, I had always known that law had really been a default. I mean, I ended up in law school because I was an English major. I liked to write. My parents didn't really, they were so, um, they believed so much that you needed to have a profession. And because I fainted at the side of blood, clearly I wasn't going to medical school. I decided that okay, you could either be really doctor, lawyer. And I went, okay, I can go be a lawyer. And my mother would be like, there's so many different things you could do with this. Mm-hmm. And I decided, okay, I'll, I'll go to law school. And I always sort of knew that I was, it wasn't that I had this crazy passion for it, but I enjoyed it. I mean, I will tell you, I loved law school more than anything. And I found it so interesting. And then I spent the next 17 years being a federal criminal defense attorney and didn't really plan on ever doing that. I thought I was going to do policy work. And so what I'd realized is, is that in that process, I'd sort of recognized I'd fallen into it. And I had, while I was really good at it, and while I had some really cool parts of that job, it always felt like I was wearing a sweater that was too tight. Mm. And so I always had this suspicion that this wasn't my ultimate journey. And The way I ended up in mindset work, though, was because my personal life had exploded. And in 2004, I was standing in a Barnes and Noble and trying to find books about finding peace in the middle of a divorce. And there's this book that's staring at me called Spiritual Divorce by Debbie Ford. And turns out that was the only book she wrote about relation or divorce. She had more on relationships, but Debbie wrote nine bestselling books it that really started to change the way I saw my life. And Debbie was a student of Deepak Chopra. She was a, a teacher. She um, had a life coach training institute. And about five years after I discovered that book, reading her stuff, doing some sort of self-help at home, I took a look at my new husband and I said, I think I want to do this. He said, go for it. Because what he had recognized was that law had made me a person that was angry. And I can't blame it on the law, but that I wasn't fitting in, right? 
And so he said, go for it. And uh, the rest, as they say, is history. But the second I started to do Debbie's work, I saw my life change. I started to have a better relationship with my husband. I started to have the confidence that I never found as an attorney. You see, I would walk into a room and have to display confidence. And I, especially particularly when you find yourself often as the only woman in the room or the only woman in a prison, you display confidence, but inside I didn't have that core confidence that I knew must exist somewhere. And it was through Debbie's work that I was able to stop looking outside of myself and connect within and find that core confidence that ultimately gave me the ability to say, Law, I love you. I am taking pieces of with you with me wherever I go, but this isn't what I want to do. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's huge. Yes. <laughs> so in, in just listening to your story and knowing that you're, you're, you know, a business strategist um, and made that pivot and change, you know, like, do you, um, obviously you must help your clients, you know, do the exact same thing. You know, like, how do you pivot, you know, knowing that like you've done it, you've experienced it. Yeah. I, I learned early, um, you know, I didn't originally start working with businesses when I went into coaching and what had happened really, it came out of a curiosity to learn about why actually life coaches fail. There's about 80% of them that don't succeed. Mm-hmm. And what I, what I learned was because they don't, implement the strategies, the business, the the content, the marketing that needs to happen. So I really went on to a journey of exploration there and and ended up um, actually writing and doing strategy for a lot of businesses for a while. And the mindset piece really always was there. And what I started to recognize was you cannot break through and have an intentional business unless you prioritize your mindset. And here's what I mean. And you, and you can't pivot and follow the direction you want unless you have your mindset foundation. Because you may want to maybe leave your job, but you're going to find the hundreds of reasons. You're going to find the fears and they're going to hold you back. You know, you may want to get to the spot where you're the most successful person in the room, but you're going to keep bumping up against the same ceiling over and over again if you're not dealing with your mindset. So no matter what skills you bring, no matter what business acumen you have, no matter what strategies you implement, they will always fall short if you aren't aware of your mindset traps and if you're not moving past them. And as you and I have discussed, some of the biggest ones that hold people back are fear, right? resistance, right? We compare ourselves to everybody. There's the great old imposter complex that, you know, everyone's going to find out I'm a fraud. I don't know what I'm doing. There's money mindset. So, and then there's a whole host of stuff in between with limiting beliefs and all of that. And unless and until that gets taken care of, you can't move forward. I spent 14 years in a law firm that I knew I wanted to leave, but I was so scared of leaving because I thought, you know what, here I'm a rock star. Here they think I'm amazing. If I leave, they're going to discover that I'm actually a fraud. That's the story I told myself. And that's the story that people tell themselves that stop them from pivoting 
were following their dreams. And it's so heartbreaking to watch. I, I completely agree about the heartbreaking. And all of those things about like, what will people think? It, it's all this stuff that's external to us instead of listening to our own voice, listening to our own inner guidance. It's just like you said, like, like people will find out that I'm a fraud, you know, and in your case, it was like, I had to stay here to maintain this rock star status instead of, but I'm being pulled in another direction. What actually did it for you then? Like, I mean, like, how did you come up with enough courage to say, Hey, I'm done. You know, it took several years. Um, I think I started my journey with mindset, um, and got trained, but didn't leave the law for another few years. And I think there's a number of reasons that we hold on, or how do you make that transition? For me, the biggest thing was, was believing that I could succeed in something else, believing so much in what I was doing that I could actually take that step. You know, a lot of us don't trust when you first have this inkling of, I want to do something different. We don't trust it. We think it's a a fancy or a a fad or some sort of, you know, how do I know this is right? I actually had the same conversation with my son at 18. You know, he's sitting here and he's very thoughtful at 18. And he's like, on one hand, he wants to do pre-med. On the other hand, he wants to be a stand-up comedian. And how do I follow my heart and go with the stand-up comedian thing and fail? And we had this whole conversation around it. And the truth is, is I, a lot of the reason I left law is, is that I got comfortable with failing and knowing that my purpose was big enough that I would continue to go. One of the first things my husband said to me when we started dating was you haven't failed enough. And I looked at him like, what? And he's an entrepreneur and he's run his own businesses and he's been up and down and, and has had quite success and he understands the path to success. And he looks at me, he's like, you haven't failed enough. And I said, who wants to fail? Are you kidding? Absolutely not. And in the law, there's, there's such a, you know, absolute thought of you can't fail. It's a whole proposition of winning. Um, And, and there were dire consequences, particularly as a federal criminal defense attorney. Um, So I realized that I had to get comfortable with failing. And I had a husband who was really comfortable if I failed. I had the support I needed. And I do think that that's really important, whether it's a spouse, whether it's a friend, whether it's a parent. And I will tell you, my mother, who had been somebody who was so, you have to pick a profession, was really supportive of this too. She believed in me and recognized that I was serious about it. And it took a while because, you know, you're, you're so conditioned to thinking I can't do something, right? I'm supposed to follow this track. Mm-hmm. And I can remember, it took a while. My husband and I were having a conversation. I said, okay, I'm done with taking legal clients. And the next day I get a call from the government. <laughs> and I, there was, I was on a program where the government actually paid me to defend people um, who couldn't afford services. And because the, the, the public defender's office was so busy. And so they said, can you be at a bond hearing this afternoon at 1 p.m.? And I said, yes, I can. Click, hang up the phone. And I stopped for a minute and I went, whoa, I promised my husband that I wouldn't do this. Yeah. And I had to remember this training that 
you know, in this thought process that we have to believe that there's floorboards underneath us, even if we take a step that's unknown, even if it's scary. So I called back the government, I called back and I said, you know what, I can't take this case. Thank you very much. And that was the first step. And no matter what rent I had to pay for my office, no matter what was there, I trusted that I would find the work that could pay myself and my rent and all of it. And it did. Wow, what courage to um, call them back up. Because you were really honoring your word to yourself, your your word to yourself, your word to your husband that you had said. And even though you didn't think about it, you know, at the time of the call, but I just got to say like my hat's off to you for like calling them up and just saying, I'm sorry, I can't do this. Yeah, it was scary. Um, Yeah, (laughs) that it was. Can we talk about this whole fear? Um, a, A lot about what your husband said that you haven't failed enough. And how do you get okay with failing and that fear of failing? Yeah, that's a huge one. Um, First of all, when it comes to failure, I think it's an opportunity for all of us to reframe failure. Failure is really opportunity in disguise. Mm -hmm. Failure is really the only road to success. You know, whoever you've looked at as an overnight success, it's just BS (laughs) because the truth is, is they've had their, their failures and they had to overcome them. So it's really this fear of something, of looking bad, of somebody rejecting us, of all of these things. And while I tell people I'm never going to make your fears go away, it would be so awesome, wouldn't it, if we never had to feel fear again? Yeah. Would I, would I be, you know, it'd be great. I can go do anything. <laughs> but fear is also our friend. Right. And I was about to say, the thing is, is fear is an opportunity to shift. And fear is exactly that. I tell people this all the time, make fear your friend. And here's how you really want to start to think about fear. Fear is natural. It's actually a good thing. You don't go down a dark alley. That's good. You don't go too close to the edge of a cliff, Mm -hmm. right? Because of fear. Fear is actually a protective mechanism that has existed since caveman times. We're really always looking out for that lion that's going to pounce. And so the truth is, is, Fear is a good thing unless it is keeping us from the things that we need or want to do that are aligned with where we want to go. And so the thing that I often say is, is that if you feel fear, it is not time to run from it because what happens is, is most of us want to shove it down, shove it away, run from it. In fact, we need to turn to fear. Fear is that gift that says, I'm about to break through that ceiling so that ceiling becomes my new floor. It is telling you you're about to get into some scary stuff, but it's often in business sense, really good because you're pushing yourself in some way. You are challenging yourself to grow. And so fear is actually a friend. And I often say, ah, fear, there you are, my old friend. Thank you for showing up, which sounds so weird because people are like, you thank your fear? And I said, I do because it's there to protect me. And once I recognize it's there to protect me, I can feel my shoulders drop. I can feel myself relax. And I ask, what do I need to know? It's a simple question, but what do I need to know in this situation? And the truth is, is that fear is going to come up with all sorts of stories. And most of them, I'd say 99% of them are rooted in the past or 
some sort of fiction that we've created from some unresolved emotion in the past. So fear really, if you challenge it, has no ability to give you any real facts. So fear is your friend, but if you go, hey, fear, what you're really talking about, like I'm gonna lose my house, I'm gonna be shown as an imposter, I'm gonna be shown as a complete fraud, that's not necessarily going to happen. It has no ability to prove what will happen in the next moment. Right, 100%. And I, I feel like that a lot of times we get stuck in like, we feel fear, we don't question it like what you're saying. We just take it like, oh, fear, like, let me go in the other direction instead of what you're saying, like, oh, fear, here you are again. What's going on? Why, why have you showed up? And just to be able to hear those reasons is almost like, oh, you think I'm going to make a fool of myself? Like, it, you know, it's almost like, a, like I call it like coaching yourself. But it it's is. to be able to hear those reasons and to realize how ridiculous they sound or, okay, that's valid, but I'm still going to do this anyways. Right. And that last piece is super important because we have to take action on, on what we know we want to do. So if you're afraid of being visible, it's putting yourself out. But I, I sort of want to put a really fine point on this. This isn't about white knuckling it through. The reason you listen to your fear is so that you understand sort of the source of your fear and how you can move forward. Mm-hmm. And it's really about saying, fear, I got this. Yeah. I got this. I, I get you. You can, you can come with me for the ride, but I got this. Oh, I love that. Come with me for the ride. Yeah. You know, you know instead of being in the driver's seat, you know, like get over in the passenger seat, but let's go. That's exactly right. Uh, let's talk about something that um, I hear a lot of like um, new people and even my own clients. And I know that you do too. Um, imposter syndrome. Yeah. Especially when we're just starting out or yeah. you're new to um, whether it's new to the entrepreneurial world, you're, you're taking a pivot or you're just leveling up. There's that imposter syndrome that does show up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I would, I would say, venture to say imposter, you know, it's imposter. I, I call it imposter complex, whether you call it syndrome or complex. There's some debate about which is which, but the truth is imposter complex can show up at any time. It is not just prevalent, which is, I think people think, okay, it starts out and it is with newbies, but it does continue on. If you sort of don't take a quick, again, look at it. Imposter complex is basically saying, I'm afraid people are going to think I'm an idiot, that I don't know what I'm doing, that I'm a complete fraud. And it often is rooted in a limiting belief of I'm not enough. And so what I often say is, is, listen, imposter complex is like fear. We don't want to get rid of it because I'll be honest, imposter complex has driven me to go learn things, to really hone my skills, to sharpen, you know, what I know. It has made sure I don't go out there until I understand something. And that can be really good. And at the same time, there's hours lost to this, like, I am so afraid and it it can sabotage you with pricing. It can sabotage you with, you get a client that you think is above your sort of, you know, where you've reached in your business and you, you end up sabotaging the quality of your work. I have seen it show up in so many painful ways. 
The way to start to start to break down imposter complex really is again, similar to fear. It's time to reframe this. A, it's a thing that's there saying, okay, I'm again, I'm reaching that end of the, the reef in Nemo. I'm about to go into the deep sea, you know, waters and I don't know what's out there. And I think it's just really the way to start to work on that is to work on the not enough belief. We all have this limiting belief. And I say all because I have yet to encounter maybe one or two people who don't have that not enough feeling, but we're not good enough. And so we feel like someone's going to find that out. And the deep fear underneath, because again, we go back to the fear is I'm not going to be loved. I'm not going to be part of the community. We need to belong. And that is true even in business. Believe it or not. And so I think it is that whole piece of let's shift not enough. And I do a lot of work around shifting limiting beliefs, but the, the truth is, is that work is invaluable because if we can take not enough and it, it doesn't have to be, I'm the greatest human being around or I'm the greatest at whatever I do, it is shifting that to, I can do this yeah. and giving yourself the space and time. The truth is, is imposter complex. It's, it's that whole idea of between stimulus and response lies our power. And so we want to create more space so that we find our power so that we're not feeding the imposter complex, but we're feeding our own enough. And do you think this imposter complex um, is related to comparisonitis? Sure. I think <laughs> it's like, my poor son is going to be like, why are you talking about me? But we had this whole conversation last night, literally for like a good 45 minutes. And it starts, you know, if you think that your imposter complex, by the way, started today, it started way back when. I mean, think back to grade school where you're starting to compare yourself to others. But yes, we can think we're okay. And then we start to compare and we go, we start to doubt, whoa, wait, I thought I was enough. But maybe I'm not enough, you know, yeah. Yeah. like, oh my God, they have something that I don't have. And so you start to second guess and doubt yourself. One of the reasons I talk about building a super intentional business is that comparison will destroy your vision. And why I ask people to anchor so deeply into their vision is when you anchor into your vision, there's no room for comparison, which then there's no room for imposter complex to come in in some ways. So yes, comparison can be so deadly to your ego and to your sense of self. And I could tell you to stop it and get off social media. And yes, you almost have to set boundaries around that because you have a choice of what's feeding your thoughts. And comparison is not always feeding your thoughts in the best way. No, no, not at all. <laughs> um, so what is um, a tip or an exercise that you have your clients go through like to just help either notice the fear or to get over the fear? You know, um, well, one thing about noticing fear is, is, is just start to notice your own body. What do you feel when you have fear? And you, next time you're in a fear mode, where do you tense up? Or do you feel it in your throat, your stomach, your shoulders? What, do you, what happens? Because you want to start to notice the physical signs as well, because the physical signs will sometimes tell you before your own brain will tell you what you're feeling. 
And so if you're feeling that lump, okay, that's fear. So at least have an awareness to it. And with fear and resistance in particular, I, I recommend people start to separate fact from fiction. This is a great exercise to simply say, and I borrow this from my dear friend, Nancy Levin, this piece that's coming up. Um, Nancy Levin is also an amazing author and coach, but she says, here's, here's one of the tricks she uses to um, start to separate fact from fiction. And she says, write out the story I tell myself is, the truth is. It may seem like a simple exercise, that. right? It's so great. But the story I tell myself is the truth is you start to then get the distance you need again between stimulus and response so that you can actually make decisions from a place that's aligned with what you really want versus making that decision from fear. So that's the really like one of the most important tips that I sort of say, here's how you start to get some space and so you can breathe a little bit. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's, that's a really beautiful exercise. Yeah, it really is. Wow. So any tips or tricks for, for newbies or even experienced people around their mindset? Because I feel like it's always a practice and I'm always like for myself, I'm always like learning something new about the whole mindset practice. You know, I think, um, I think recognizing that it's as important to structure time to work on your mindset as it is any other aspect of your life or business is really critical and make it your own. People love to meditate. Um, I've actually never been a huge meditator. I have on occasion, my meditation would come while reading, while working out running was a great meditation until I hurt my back. <laughs> um, and really just recognize that it's more than knowledge you have to start to take action on the awareness. Awareness is the first step, choice is the next, and you have to take new action to start to rewire your brain. These are neurological pathways that we are rewiring. So I encourage everybody who's just starting out, you know, read the books and take the action that some of those books recommend, they're great. You could get a lot out of them. Um, structure that time. It's so crucial. I agree. And I, and I always say that awareness is half the battle. Yeah. But like you said, like, it's like, once you know this information, you can't go back. No, you can't, you can't go back. And it really is a practice. And I'm a neuroscience geek. I mean, I'm just fascinated by the brain. And so just to, you're right. It's, it's all about rewiring ourselves, you know, really? from, and deciding what beliefs we want instead of believing all those limiting beliefs. So this has been such a pleasure. I have a couple more questions for you and they Great. are, what books are on your nightstand? Um, well, what books are on my nightstand? Uh, I'm currently reading Burnout by Emily and Amelia Nagoski. That is a great book for women, particularly about what causes burnout, how we can complete the stress cycle. It's a great book. Um, I am a huge fan of Nancy Levin's book, Worthy. It's one of my favorites for self-worth. Um, I also have a ton of marketing and strategy books. If you actually saw it, like I hate clutter. So there are some like all sort of hidden behind my bed in a space, just piles of book books. Um, 
but there's so many, I really teeter totter between mindset books, strategy books, and I'll go with some fiction on occasion. So. Very nice. That's a yeah. nice little variety. Yeah. And what advice do you wish you had learned years ago? I think the piece is, is to really trust that inner voice. I ignored it so much. It's funny. I wanted as a 20 year old to go to New York and do copywriting. And I would have probably, you know, hit this whole cycle, maybe even a little bit earlier. Um, really trust that inner voice. Don't ignore it. It will find its way out, even if you keep shoving it down. And so honor it. Yeah, I agree. I love that too. Yeah. Um, besides your podcast, which is going to be linked in the show notes, can you tell um, everybody like how they can find you and learn more about you and how you help people? Awesome. Yeah. So you can find me on my website, which is lindamperry.com. Um, had to have the M because Linda Perry's a rock star. So she's got that. Um, I also have a freebie at lindamperry.com forward slash real dash mindset dash hacks. Um, I'm not a big hacks person, but this is just simple ways for people to get started in the mindset world. You can follow me on Instagram at lynda.m.perry. Um, I'm on there daily and will respond to people. And I usually work, I have three different tiers. I have a membership that is really designed for creative entrepreneurs, copywriters, people in the marketing industry, because there's, they're so in their own space. But I work with growth stage entrepreneurs, both in a, I have a group course called Scale for Success and I work one-on-one. -on -one. So I love talking mindset all day long. So reach out to me. I do answer all my emails. So feel free to just check in with me. Thank you. That's fantastic. So definitely take advantage of everything that she just offered. And I'll make sure that all of that stuff is in the show notes. Until next time, see you later. So how was, how was that? Uh, wow, Linda Perry had, is a wealth of information, has had an amazing, you know, just career path with starting off as an attorney and just like hearing that voice and taking years to leave, you know, the industry of law. And as I always say, I mean, sometimes like our head and our heart, it takes a long time for them to both get on the same page. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I will talk to you soon. Feel free to reach out, um, continue this conversation over in my Facebook group, Entrepreneurs Making an Impact, or over on Instagram. Feel free to send us, um, send me a message. And just like Linda, I love hearing from you. What's important to you is important to me. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for hanging out with me. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And join me over in my private Facebook group for more tips, community, and free trainings. You'll find the link in the show notes. You can also help this podcast reach more listeners by leaving a review. And as a thank you, each month I pick one of my reviewers to win a free coaching call with me. So if you haven't done so already, please leave a review and you could be the next winner.